0: Welcome to Zapped to the Past. Uh, this is a special uh, episode that fits in between 1985 and 1986. This is the episode where we're going to look at all the games that came out uh, that came out in this year and and have our awards ceremony. Uh, we've got a, a lot of stuff to cover. We've got a lot of awards to give, from best game to worst game to best crapvert, which um, seems an oxymoron, but hey ho, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, and we're, that's what this episode is all about. So it's a little bit different. Um, we're not going to be doing Loads of you know get new game reviews because uh, we're we're starting uh, 1986 I think probably next week or whenever we cut co- whenever the next one comes out um, and so we'll be carrying on with game reviews then but in this episode we're going to look at yeah all the stuff that came out in 1985 and say what were our favourites what were the worst things or what are the things that made us go oh-oh? <laughs> um and 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 anything along those lines basically best films as well probably and even and uh, I think it's a surprise entry for best music but we'll wait and see what that, what that comes from that um so that's 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 the plan for this it's a little bit different as i said um so graham um this is you know all about 1985 and the but we've done eight months. Eight we've months. done eight months worth of eight months with a coverage. We've had eight issues of Zap with games to look forward to and look through. Um, we've looked at approximately around about 160 to 170 games. Um, I haven't counted in, you know, exactly, but I know it's around about there, which is quite a lot. Um, there's been some very good games. There's been some very bad games. There's been a lot of middling games, um, and it's been a, it's been a strange year. Great. What have you what What have you made of it? What have you found from going back to uh, look at this lot?
1: um you know 35 years later it's been kind of the yin and the yang hasn't it but it's been interesting to see how games have developed it's been interesting to see how graphics have developed in fact it's just it's been interesting to see because um i got my commodore 64 probably around around this time it was around christmas 1985 so about around well around about now i'd played on them obviously and i had friends who had them i didn't own my own until sort of that christmas it was kind of a christmas present So it was nice to look back and sort of see, because it's easy to, we've got access to all of these games now, and and we kind of take that for granted, but back then, these games were, you know, you had to go out physically to shops, there's no online, obviously, or anything like that, so you had to go and buy them. It was hard to choose from these games, so you had to, you know, you had to make decisions based, God help us, on the crapverts and on the tape cases that were on the (laughs) shelves. And so it's been nice to go back and sort of have access to the games that we've, that kind of completely missed me and to see what they were like. The downside to that is of course that a significant proportion of them have been awful so mm. it's been, there's, mm-hmm. there's two, two things I like to think about. One is the games that I'm going back to that have really surprised me and that have been a lot better than I remembered them or better that I'd never seen them before and they were really good compared to the ones that uh, I knew were already that I'd played and that were, I'd always had a soft spot for to see if they were still good. Bear in mind I haven't really played a lot of Commodore 64 games in, that, you know, in a long time. Every now and again I'll play them but this is the first time where I've sat and concentrated you know, to play as many games as i probably did back when i was a teenager so it's nice to mm-hmm. see the contrast my feeling is that it's a year of significant uk development um we're seeing a lot of i think we're seeing the legacy of the kind of the us batch of games that came out sort of slowly being thankfully and mercifully in some instances being phased out but still being released annoyingly but we're starting to see the uh uk developers really starting to take hold of the Commodore 64. Not just UK, I suppose, but the developers of the Commodore 64 really starting to get hold of the machine and little gems of game design and game development are slipping out now on a more regular basis at the end of this eight-month period. I think that's noted mm-hmm. in Zap. Even Zap's gone through quite a few changes in that time as well from its first issue to where we are now. The format's settled down a bit and they've got some really sort of the reviewers have settled into their pace and everything else. It's been fascinating, I have to say. I can't believe it actually is about 160 games. That's, that is that incre- is insane, isn't it? That we yeah. have access and yeah, play well, that many games. I mean, if you sat down to play 160 Xbox games, you'd be old and bearded before you ever finished any of those, <laughs> or I would be you know I'd... more older and more bearded <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just you know you, you, you would, it takes so, so long to get through these games that i've learned a lesson about um, the instant gratification that came with these games and how they programmed that in because of the limitations of the machine and if they could take away anything from this initial phase it's that when they get that formula right it works really well and some games just do as we'll find out with these mm-hmm. awards when they get it wrong it's spectacularly wrong and often I think there's a little bit and I've, I noticed this when I was teaching video game design way, ba- way back and, and I know you you know, you know, probably do this still get it to this day is that sometimes their ambitions exceed their abilities when they do these things and so what seemed like a great idea on paper and there are certain games we know that this applies to when it seems like a good idea when it comes down to actually being able to put this thing out doesn't work out so well and they either hit limitations of the Commodore 64 and there are and later they become something that people work to get past and they find ways around them and all sorts of fa- uh, fancy tricks tricks but at this stage not there yet so there's still you know there's still games being released in basic for goodness sake so it's an, it's been interesting that what a what a and it, I mean the 80s is a crazy time you know it's such an escalation of everything is you know it's it's a breakneck speed in many instances and yet mm-hmm. you know well, this is a world without really without proper satellite tv for everybody without mobile phones without the internet without any of those things so you you know this is this is a big home technology we're talking about it sounds really silly when you see it now because you know you can, you can play <laughs> as many games as you like on your iphone or your android phone but back then it was mm-hmm. an investment and you know and games were purchased when you had the pocket money or money on birthdays and christmases to go and get them or you know gifts from your auntie which is bound to be cops and robbers. Which, uh, by the way, make sure you never, never play it <laughs> properly. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't play that. What about you? I mean, I, I
0: mean, my, my. Take, I mean, I think I obviously had a, a C64 a bit earlier than you. Um, I think we, I think we got ours in a, sometime in '84. It's hard to sort of remember sort of thing, but I just remember when when I got my colour TV. So it's kind of. there's trying to sort of piece those Christmases into, you know, when you got this, when you got that, and it was my brother that bought it. Um, God bless him um and you know with mr wimpy and hunchback i think i've mentioned somewhere on the show probably in episode zero and so yeah you know the games we had that would we would pick them up mostly from the local news agents they would be i think i remember the very first budget title we bought was an Imagine title called pedro um which even at the time was god-awful Um, It was terrible. It was an awful, awful game. And even then, back then, you kind of knew. You knew you'd bought a dud. Um, You know, and and it's easy. One of the things... Um, is that's kind of occurred to me as we've been doing this sort of thing. It is it is it is easy to look at these games and sort of you know to rag on them quite easily, sort of thing, because they are the early, you know we're only if you think we're only sort of 13 years out from Pong. The steps that have been made forward in a lot of ways, sort of thing, are quite incredible to where you know to get to this point where we are. And so if we look 35 years later where we are now with you know with games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla and stuff like that, where you've got entire worlds being you know rendered in incredible detail, it's easy to sort of forget where we started. The one thing I would I would say in respect to that sort of thing and, the, and one of the sort of maybe we've not sort of been a bit clear about this and maybe we should have been was that we always look at these that these games were still asking for your money and i think that's something's important and you look back on it now and because you've got all these games pretty much at your fingertips you can get hold of them you kind of forget that and and that's one way of looking at it and we've tried to look at it from what would it have been like to spend 995 on glider pilot you know back then you, you wouldn't have been happy and so that's kind of been one of our sort of uh one of my one of our sort of ethos sort of thing is like looking at it um in the last couple of episodes sort of thing we've of you know the the, the kickstart ratio or whatever I've called it um you know is it worth four kickstarts um and so I think that's quite an important thing to do sort of thing that these yes a, a lot of them are you know first game designers taking their foray and their steps into game design and and that's to be applauded and everything like that sort of thing but I, I'm always in the opinion if you once you once you ask for money especially back in 1985 whenever it is sort of thing if you're asking for cash there needs to be a certain level of quality and expectation and, and a, you know they should run and play and not be buggy, horrible messes or. buggy, whatever so there's got to be something and that's one of the things that I've kind of come at this from and I think maybe we've not been clear maybe I don't know but I don't know whether you're the same. I think we're something we've kind of discussed, isn't it? And I think it is. It does come through, you know, when we talk about the prices of these games as they were at the time. Some of them are full price. Some of them are not. Would you be happy have been paying you know, eleven pound for William Wobbler? Probably not. I don't think I would have been. So that's one of the things. So it's been quite an interesting exercise in going back to these games and sort of having that mindset of going, what if I spent this money back then on that? Would I have been happy? Um, and some of them I would have been. Some of them I wouldn't have been. But I think just to sort of echo what you said as well, it is quite interesting to see the development go on. And one of the things. You know that has, I was, you know, you're completely unaware of this at the time because kind of you didn't really play these games or if you did they were buried deep within a C64 full of turbo tapes or something like that and you Mm. didn't really take much notice of them Um, but the amount of, yeah, old software, this old US software that got dumped into the UK market um, you know, being put up against it, sold at full price some of these duds that we've had to look at like Megali Ace and things like that I I, I found that quite surprising Mm. um, because that's not something I was even really aware of but you kind of look at the the release dates of some of these and, and then you see them being sort of foisted out into the market at full price with big glossy adverts in the magazines and stuff and you, you go buy them and it's like oh been sold a lemon here yep. um, and I think that was something I, you know I, I wasn't aware of I'd, I don't know if that continues into I mean I know a couple of the games you've got some big games coming up at the start of 1986 uh, especially from LucasArts or LucasFilms whatever they are called these back then so there were some obviously but uh, I mean and it doesn't apply to all US software we've got some great US software in this, you know summer games, winter mm-hmm. games, summer games 2 sorry so it doesn't um, you know Pit Stop 2 some great, great games come out from the US, but I think that was one of the things that really did stand out to me a little bit. I think in yeah. looking back over the over this period of time, This kind of it feels almost like a transition period where we're getting kind of be- you know the, the people who are making these games are getting better, and and this kind of it'll still go on. I'm pretty sure sort of thing we'll play some absolute dross over the next year, over the next year's worth of games. I'm pretty sure of it. So it's not it's not going to go away, but hopefully you know the quality will go up and we'll see but you know
1: that's not to say that the quality of some games has not been very high this year because it really has well well it's high when it's high it's high and there are some yes. exceedingly great titles in there but like you said it's a bit peppered with some of the with some of the dross that, that seems to be surrounding <laughs> them interestingly here's a thing for you so how much did your Commodore 64 cost if you remember back then it uh, would have been I think it was 200 quid plus yeah I remember that so if we're talking about how much that would have cost now in terms of inflation let's say 500 pounds in 1985 money is actually about 1,325 quid now <laughs> Woo-hoo. and £10 in 1985 money is £26.50 now. So these games companies in the equivalent money would are asking for £25. Now, if you released a game of the standard of... If you made the equitable standard for yeah. the Xbox or the PlayStation and charged the equivalent money, people would be in uproar. Or they simply wouldn't, you know, it would die. The reviews would kill it within seconds because, of course, social media and everything that can do all of that. Mm-hmm. But without all of that, there's a lot of money to be made out of uh, this kind of... Exploitation is really what it was, of, of people's, you know, novice understanding of games and how they would operate on a computer.
0: And the thing is as well, I mean, obviously we focus on the Commodore 64. You know, that's what we grew up with. That's what we played. We did have friends with Spectrums. I had a friend with an Amstrad. Use used that,
1: and so that term the, friend loosely, though. It,
0: well, no, no, he was, was a friend, <laughs> but it was a, it, was, it, was, it was a singular friend with an Amstrad.
1: <laughs> he was the only one with few, an Amstrad. I knew,
0: yeah, I knew a few people with Spectrums. Yeah. I knew quite a few people with Commodore 64s. I think I knew more people with BBC Micros and Acorns, but I knew one person with an Amstrad. <laughs>
1: Maybe hey, someone Michael. with an Oric Atmos. How's that for weird? Because that, that, that was got to be the most disappointing Christmas slash birthday present <laughs> he ever got. Like, I've got you a computer. <laughs> yeah, he's at Commodore 64. Yeah. No, it's, it's better than that. It's Hold on to that. your socks, kids. I've got us an Oric Atmos. <laughs> oh, what use are they? <laughs> <laughs> what, what even is it? I went around to his house and he, he was going to show me this game. I forget, what it was like, something like Billy Bobby socks or something like that. And It was <laughs> It was just, I was like, and I've been, you know, at this point i have seen Ghostbusters on a Commodore 64. So when this appeared on the screen, I was like, uh... <laughs> Okay, yeah, okay, have fun with that. (laughs) that's great thanks I did I I had one I had one friend with a VIC-20
0: that's the weird thing um, so there there were a raft of you know home computers around at this time and it amazes me because of there is you know if we look at the level of dross to good hardware sort of thing you know we're two years out from the American crash Mm. which was because of the you know the the quality and the low quality of so much software that people were like you want me to pay $40 for this rubbish you know and and you know and I know obviously ours were cheaper sort of thing but if you look at, I imagine that if we did if somebody else did this show, like they called it Crash to the Past, you can have that on me if someone <laughs> wants to do that. If someone did that, we can we can agree on royalties. <laughs> so if someone did that sort of thing and you looked at the Spectrum games in the same period, I'm pretty sure you probably, about 80% would be garbage. Yep. This is, you know, this is endemic in this period of time sort of thing where there are so, so many terrible, terrible games across the board on all platforms, on all computers, that it's amazing sort of thing that the same thing, another Crash, didn't happen yep. in, in the in the Europe sort of thing because like I said we're getting the shovelware from the US and you could imagine sort of thing that with, with enough people buying you know enough crap copies of Dickie's diamonds to form some kind of like I'm not buying any more of this rubbish. Mm. Uh, you're not having any more let's get rid of this computer sort of thing. Let's actually use it for spreadsheets. As it was <laughs> said it's you know remember it's a CBM 64. This is yeah. supposed to be a business machine. Um, let's use it for that. You know it's I could envisage a different future where that crash happened over here. And uh, you know it, it surprises me that it didn't. I can only assume that as Brits, we're just kind of used to
1: rubbish. I don't know. <laughs> it's an acceleration. I know eight months doesn't seem like a long time in terms of a, a month on month, where there's only a few games coming out that are good, and there's quite a lot that are bad. But the ratio starts to change, and mm. you know, and it changes quite quickly. You know, so we've gone from having quite a few duds and maybe the odd, you know, decent one to now we're starting to get, you know, one or two every issue of Zap. There's been some good ones, um, and there seems to be at least one really good one. So you know, we've gone Summit games. We've had where they explained fifth so on and so on and so on. So we know that that's going to get that does get better and it's kind of like a hockey stick kind of curve so it sort of suddenly goes up so it's not like yeah. this is going to be a you know by 1995 we're going to have a really decent version of Pac-Man you know we know <laughs> that the there's an escalation and it happens very very quickly yeah we know that we know that now with hindsight but back then but we didn't know any different you, did would, we would you spot it coming I don't know well I don't know you don't know what you don't know and what was your, our benchmark I always compared the games I played to so the only thing I could compare them to which was the arcades so mm, they were always yeah. going to be inferior to the arcades but they were always better than and Pong, or those you know, shoot the dot things, or the grandstand multi-game thing that we had, which was bizarre to say the least. But don't forget, in the arcade,
0: you were probably playing things like Star Wars at this point and Tron. Yeah, yeah. Um, I
1: like just, Tron. Off of my, just off the,
0: just off the top of my head, there's two that you know in the arcade are amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, Tron. Tron's great. I I could see you know I'm just it's one of those things that just occurs to me when we're doing these things that it is surprising that, that you you get this sort of level of badness, and it, it it would only take you know a game like you know as we saw with something like E.T. or Pong or something like that. But I imagine you know the thing with I suppose the thing with computers is that, you know, it's not like the machine's going to collapse if international tennis is terrible. No. Um, because it's made by the platform holder. So I, suppose, I suppose, I suppose that is a, and we never had anything like the size of ET or the Pac-Man ports. No, true. Um, to, to impact. So I suppose that, that we're, you're kind of lucky because there was such a breadth of software. That, um, true. Yeah, you know, I
1: don't know. And, and I suppose it's, it's vicarious consumerism really in a way. And by that I mean that in order to get games for your Commodore 64, you had to convince somebody. <laughs> so, these were a level of investment in something so you know it, I, and, and i don't know about you but i didn't have the kind of parents that understood the idea of having to buy something repeatedly for the same thing so when i said oh, i needed i'd like to get a new game now well what's wrong with the games you've got and I, well it's because you know there's new ones out and it took me i don't think i ever managed to get to convince my dad that there was a logic to that argument it's like well you know why would why do you need new ones when you've got these ones you haven't finished those ones you've got and <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how long it took me to convince my dad to buy me a a 1541 disk drive for the Commodore 64. That was like uh, going into some kind of fierce debate and fierce, you know, it was like a a strategic placement of thought processes. It took me months to convince him because he just didn't get what I was actually asking for. In the end, he just gave up. He's like, I don't know what you're even saying. But um, do you see see what I mean? I suppose it's what I'm saying is, I suppose, is that it's just nowadays with that idea of pester power, purchasing, buying things, we just take it as read that that's something that is done. If you buy, xbox you know you're going to be buying games for that for the life of that xbox but back then the parents who were paying for this didn't understand that why do you need to buy more games these are expensive you know it's play that one more or learn to program the stupid thing They didn't buy you it so you could play games on it all the time because we all pitched that didn't we We all pitched the i can program on it and everything Yeah, it'll help my schoolwork. Yeah, I tried that one as well. Yeah, I could, I'll do way better at my schoolwork. As it turns out, I actually did. Um, I can't help but think that my early time with the Commodore 64 and learning to program it as I did back then and spending time playing all the games with you and all my friends, I now work mm-hmm. full-time in IT. There's no, there's, no, there's a direct correlation. Yeah. And now, we, now yeah, yes. we're talking about video games again, which we did predominantly through our, like, through our teen life. So <laughs> it's all gone full circle. The circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Some might say starting a podcast about the Commodore
0: 64 and you're like... 40s is a sign of a midlife crisis. Not me though. Not I love crusty. Not me. That's why I, I went out immediately to quell that by buying a C64 Mini. I think on that note, that's uh, memories and recollections of this year and, and viewpoints and thoughts. So yes, it's been it's been it's been a good year. It's, I've really enjoyed mm. going back to them. I have to say, I, I, over the whole, you know, even. The garbage, yeah. um, even the rubbish one sort of thing has. There's been, you know, something I've taken away from it, whether it for for whatever sort of thing. I've, ta- you know, every game I've played sort of thing has been educational in some some way sort of thing. So after thirty odd years, I finally got some education from the machine as I promised I would. <laughs> um, so. Um, Uh, yeah so it has been so there's been you know it's been good revisiting some it's been interesting playing some that i've never played before that i've really liked and and obviously some horrors so we're going to go through them now so we're going to take a obviously a a quick break for some for some music um and then we're going to come back uh with our first uh set of awards um and that is best visuals Welcome back. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're looking at our first category for the awards for 1985, and that category is best visuals, best graphics, uh, best-looking game, whatever you want to call it, sort of thing. We're looking at you know those lovely sprites and squalling routines and all those kind of cool things, uh, animations and stuff that made us go, oh, that's quite nice, um, and and all that. So uh, these are the games we've considered. There's quite a lot, it's quite a few here, but we're not going to obviously put all these into our final list. Um, So the nominations for best visuals are Cauldron, Airwolf, Shadowfire, Super Pipeline 2, BC2 Grog's Revenge, Drop Zone, Entombed, Gribbly's Day Out, Beachhead 2, Way of the Exploding Fist, Elidon, Skyfox, Rupert and the Toymakers Party, Hypersports, Summer Games 2, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Note of Yesod, Paradroid, Winter Games, Karatika, Scarabaeus, and Rupert and the Ice Palace. It's a decent list of games there with uh, some really nice visuals, I think. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pick, we're going to whittle this down quickly, sort of thing. We're both We're we're both going to pick three each, um, and that's going to be our kind of final list. And then we're going to hash at it uh, to see which we think is the winner of the best visuals for 1985, and have a couple of runners up as well. So that's how we're going to do this. You're probably going to disagree with us. Fair play. It's the it's the awards. Everyone's entitled Um, to their
1: opinions. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes we are the only ones giving out the awards so at this point this uh, this is our you know our sort of list for consideration for best visuals so graham what do you want to put in first
1: so my first selection out of the list of games you've mentioned is way of the exploding fist and um, because you have ginormous great big sprites multiple fight controls and um a really great visual experience it feels like a fighting game because it is one
0: yep Absolutely. I'm going to put Summer Games 2 in. There are lots of reasons why I would put Summer Games 2 in. Uh, The Sterling animation, the... The level of quality across all eight events is never less than excellent. The amazing, you know, opening ceremonies, the closing ceremonies. There's so much attention to detail in so many of these uh, events. Um, it almost, you know, it, it's almost too much to take in at times, sort of thing. There's there's so much going on. Whether it's even just the singular, uh, you know, the singular guy doing his triple jump, sort of thing, with the uh, the TV screen in the background and things like that. There's just there's just so much in Summer Games too that I think to not include it would be Um, a travesty. So
1: that's mine for Summer Games 2. Your next one? So my next game out of the list is Paradroid. Mm -hmm. This is because Paradroid is the complete visual system of a game. It looks like it's on a kind of giant spaceship the robot graphics are really good Everything about it is big, chunky, robotic, bold, base relief. Really cool. And that's just the looks alone, but the whole thematic of the game is completely given over to its central core concept, and that works to this day. So Paradoid's my second choice.
0: My second choice is going to be... Scarabaeus. Scarabaeus, I think, um, primarily for its uh, devotion to the cause of, of keeping itself, its atmospheric craziness, all, all, all thematically consistent. Technically, it's excellent. but it's got a really good first-person, fast-moving maze, which for the time is really quite impressive. Um, the icons, the use of its uh, sort of Egyptian styling, is all really nice, well-designed. Uh, there's a consistency, there's a coherency to it. The GUI is quite innovative and pleasing to look at. Uh, the intro is nice through the space and your little guy running in and the little dog and everything. I think, similar to Paradroid, it has uh, a consistency to what it is actually trying
1: to do, and that's why I think Scarabaeus would be in the running. Excellent. A good choice. Yeah, your third one. Now, this is difficult because there's some really good candidates in there, Mm. and it's actually a toss-up between two, but I'm going to go with my gut, and I'm going to go for Cauldron. I'm I'm aligning the fact that Cauldron's a very, 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 very difficult game. Cauldron looks the part... The witch sprite is really cool. The way she flies on a broom is really cool. The way she walks and the graphics have always carried with it a really strong sense of the kind of game it is. And it's something that Palace, and who made Cauldron, carry through all of their games. It has the kind of Palace look. And it's the first of that kind of type. I think it looks really, really good to this day. So Cauldron for me.
0: Okay, so our final game for consideration. I think I'm going to put winter games in oh am I? Yes I am. I think it's different enough from summer games too. Um I think there's you know in, in some some respects it may even be a step up in some not. I don't know. We'll have we'll, we'll bash this out in a moment. Um I think there's enough new stuff in winter games. There's some primarily in, in backdrops and boring as those um as not so seems so less than stellar uh ice skating things out the animation is still great and it, it's again it's another amazing technical feat from epics that I think needs rewarding. I could have could have gone for others but I and, and maybe putting some Summer Games 2 and Winter Games in is thinking, but you know what? They were on graphical fire this year, and I think that needs to be uh, louded. So that's my final selection. Absolutely. Is there any that you think could go in that you think one yeah. one one
1: one more. Would you like to put in? Yeah, if I was going to put an also run in there for me, I'd put Drop Zone in. Okay, Drop Zone's quite sparse and it's in its graphics, but visually it looks great and it looks the part. So Drop, I would put Drop Zone in. It is obviously we you know we like it is a like it's like Defender. It's Defender ish, but you know what? Mm-hmm. It's got different graphics. It is pacey but it's that it's that visual compelling look of that game it runs at such a pace and it's this graphics and color you know flashing and blowing up and everywhere it's really it's from a game sort of production point of view it has all the trimmings and all the all of the stuff so it's definitely free. it's just I prefer those other games that I put in the list, but it's certainly an also round for me.
0: Yeah, if I was going to have an also round, it would be Shadowfire. Yeah, we we said at the time. I mean, this was one of the games we looked at in in, in episode one, issue one, um, and even at the time, we said that we really liked its uh, you know its pixel art, and and it and it is it, it looks great. It's got a really nicely defined style sort of thing. It's the let down a little sort of thing in the fact that it's almost over designed because they've gone to such mm. a degree sort of thing to over design those icons as to almost make them slightly illegible and sort of. Hard to read when you need to be, you know, up against a timer, so you need to be able to sort of see them fast, sort of thing. However, the the sort of the portraits that you get that come up in the in the window, the title screen, and everything about it has a it's a it's a strong visual, you know, design throughput in that game, um, and, and I'd happily see that on our final list. So it may be down at the bottom, sort of thing, but um, it may not be. You know, as uh, as my also surround I think Shadowfire would go in. Okay, good choice. Okay. I think obviously Drop Zone and Shadowfire are not going to be in our top three, are they? i don't no. i don't think no no i no. don't think so it's, it's, it's going to be out those first six so okay so let's let's go at this then so we've got way of the exploding fist summer games 2 paradroid scarabaeus cauldron and winter games
1: did, did i okay let's put it this way so sort i of think did i pick any games that you would have picked strangely summer games 2 okay so out of all the ones you've picked summer games 2 for me is a. Uh, is one I would have agreed on. I, if I there if wasn't other stronger candidates for me personally, I would have gone for that one as well. Okay. But, but your choice is for mine. Uh, wave the Exploding Fist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been on my list
0: <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt cauldron I can, I get. So, so can we agree, sort of thing? Let's let's do an agreement then, sort of thing. Where the exploding first summer games two, going to be in the top three? Yeah, I think
1: so. I think they have to be.
0: I think I think we're in agreement there. Whether they got to, what's you know, whether it's going to be number one or number two, we'll we'll come to we'll hash them out, sort of thing. So I think what we're talking about here now is number three. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of Paradroid, Scarabaeus, cauldron and Winter Games, all very different games. Very. We've got sort of representational droid sci-fi. We've got ancient egypt we've got witchy style shenanigans and and winter games now i'm happy to drop winter games okay the backdrops are better in winter games but i think as an overall package summer games 2 is better yeah, and so I'm, I'm I'm happy to pull Winter Games out of the equation. Okay, I'll let you maybe speak about any of the other three, unless you want Winter Games in there, of
1: course. No, and no, I think I think you're right. I think we've got Summer Games 2 is is better than Winter Games, as simple as that. And it would be strange to have them both in there. And mm-hmm. I would say that if I'm if it comes up as a choice between Paratrooid, Scarabeus and Cauldron. For me, out of those three, Paradroid would be my option for the third place in there. Scarabaeus is great visually, and it is clever, but it's not as all-encompassing as Paradroid. Palace games get better, actually, and Cauldron 2 actually builds on Cauldron in terms of its graphics, which we'll probably cover in the next year's awards. So mm-hmm. um, I would happily drop Cauldron out and leave it down to just for that elusive third place, the a battle between Scarabaeus and Paradroid which is awful choice really Hobson's choice but it,
0: it is because I think both of them do exactly what they set out to do and do it yeah. very well I'm trying to sort of think so if, so for, for in-game sort of thing I mean they're both you know they're both really good looking in-game Paradroid is much more simplistic representational but it's bas-relief graphics are really nice um, there's no no getting around that and there's some really nice touches in there from a visual standpoint remember this is best visual so you know your health on your you know on the All rotating the health on the thing or the robot design the, the the use of lighting, the use of that grey. I yep. always love that use of the grayscale when you clear a clear a level. I always think yep. that's great when it dims down. Um, yeah. And one of the things we we sort of forget to mention, sort of thing, is that uh, it's got one of the most. It's got one of my favourite explosion animations. Yeah. Um, when you shoot a droid, that that piece of animation, sort of thing, the sort of the fiery boom, whatever sort yep. of thing, is so so good, sort of thing that I think I've probably nicked it when I've done C64 sprites before uh, <laughs> because it's lovely. It's just a really nice explosion, sort of thing that is really good. So that that looks great scarabeus just is it i don't know with with scarabeus is it more the, the whole atmosphere would it work I, d- I don't know it's a hard one isn't it this is really tricky
1: yeah um, i think it's sci-fi versus um kind of adventure adventure isn't it and they're very different conceptually they're very different no, tech one is tech one is very much not tech i don't know there's some really nice touches on scarabeus the little the little um gui interface with a little um health meter and the way you kind of control the game and obviously the kind of first person the 3D effect is very, very clever.
0: The thing with Scarabeus... Okay, this is the thing with Scarabeus sort of thing. What do we think to
1: the monsters? They're okay, but they're kind of blocky and a bit bit ungainly, a bit floaty around, and you don't see much of them, do you? They're, they're kind of... They're okay. They're okay. Yeah. They're what you'd expect in kind of a, a maze game, really.
0: If, if I'm looking for something to split these two... I think Paradroid has,
1: is more consistent across the board. Well, Paradroid has much more variety of enemy. It does, but... Yeah, th- I you're mean, up uh, against four it's, different it's, enemy types in Scarabaeus, whereas in Paradroid, you've got you've got up to 900 different kinds. Of, well, not obviously, but there's, nine, there's probably I get about sort 20, thing, but, 30 but,
0: droids, but, isn't there? Yeah, but let's not forget something sort of that they're only represented as, you know, still images.
1: Yeah, but each one's been drawn. Each one's in there. They all look different. All, they all look like their purpose. I think that's what I'm saying, sort of thing, to me. There, is a, there isn't a part
0: of Paradroid which I look at. I mean, some of the droids are a bit goofy looking, sort of thing, but I, it doesn't mean they're bad. Um, and I think I'm t- kind of agreeing with you, sort of thing, in that I think that Paradroid has a more consistent. Yes. There's not one thing part in Paradroid I can go, that doesn't look great. That no, doesn't I completely look agree. as if no. it fits. Um, whereas Scarabaeus chasing that mummy thing mm. around. It's just a bit wibbly-wobbly, in it? And it's a bit... Yeah. From a technical point of view, what it's doing is incredible. making it go down, thing isn't going out of view. You know, not getting that sort of thing. But it, I don't think the monsters are at the same level as the rest of the design in that game. No. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm picking a hair here. I'm picking one hair because I can't split them in any other way. No. Um, from, a, from a technical point of view. And I
1: think just there's a little bit more world in... Paradroid. There's a bit more visual world. So you've got that computers. You've got the map of the Mm -hmm. dreadnoughts. You've got the kind of way you go up and down the lifts. The way it coordinates with all of the sort of as you go up and down and the lighting and the, the effects and the visuals. It's completely compelling and. That's not to say Scarabase isn't, but Scarabase kind of looks the same Whatever, I don't know you could say the same about Paradroid, rather. It kind of looks the same, but... I don't know. Is it, isn't it difficult? <laughs> it's a nightmare. I don't know. Um, but my money's on Paradroid, though. I think that's... Um... I think that's where we are. Let's just, yeah. let's just call it. So third place is Paradroid. Okay. We haven't even so... done first place yet. <laughs> I know which one I'm going to put at number one. But which one are you gonna put at number one? I th- you're gonna go with Fist, aren't you? No. You're gonna go with Summer Games 2? I'm gonna go with Summer Games 2. Oh then we're in agreement then. Um and I can tell you <laughs> why I Summer Games 2. Because don't get me wrong, everything about where the exploding fist is great, but it's one set of animation applied to two characters that are different by process of being facing a different direction. Summer Games 2 is Eight different games with eight different animations, lots of different character animations, and there's lots of stuff. A beginning ceremony, an end ceremony. Come on, it's 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 so much more. And graph in terms of its visuals and graphics, it offers you an entire Olympic experience. Yes, and I think for that alone, and the quality of the animation in that game, which is staggeringly good for its time yeah don't get me wrong way of Exploding fist is an excellent second place there's no doubt and paradroid third but summer games Two, talk about a game full of really great visual animation and and great great compelling graphics it it really is so for me summer games two
0: it's the simpler things in summer games two that i would that would praise it for there's so much in summer games two and it's, like you said, across the board at such a high level. There's not a... The, the kayaking, you know, is a bit simpler at the end, but it still looks great. The fencing's great. There's not a down point in Summer Games 2 at all. And yeah, Way of the Explaining Fist is incredible. It looks amazing. When I went back to it now sort of thing, I was pleasantly surprised by just how good it did look um, because, you know, in your mind's eye, you have one view and you're not sure if it's still like that. Um... And you know it's got the lovely backgrounds and the ball and and uh, everything like that. But uh, yeah, I think Summer Games Two is a is a step beyond you know what Epics had done, what pretty much anyone had done at this point. And to me, I'm, I'm glad you're in there with me, sort of thing. Because yeah, yeah, Summer Games Two would be would be my number one. I think it's a it's an astonishing achievement. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and and to this day, it's still a great you know great game to play. And, and look, looks, look, part of that is part of that appeal. I'm not going to spray. it is that visual appeal it is so uh, yeah the best visual
1: award goes to
0: Summer Games 2 by Ethics (laughs) Uh, runners up uh, in in second place is Way of the Exploding Fist and in third place is Paradroid with honourable mentions to Scarabeus Cauldron, Winter Games, and Drop Zone and Shadowfire. But I think all the games you originally listed are worth a shout because they all do look they all have very, very nice visuals. But they do. Uh, well done Epics and well done Summer Games 2. That's it. That's our first award out of the way. Best visuals. Summer Games 2. Woo! Woo! There we go. We're done. We're gonna go for a quick break. Uh when we come back, we'll be looking at best sound effects. Uh not to be confused with best music. So see you in a minute. Welcome back. That was the best visuals. Well done, Summer Games 2. Okay, so up next, we've got best sound effects. Uh, So we're going to do a similar sort of thing again. Um, We've got uh, a list of nominees, um, and then we'll see which ones we pull out and see which ones we want to put into our final list. Um, So the initial list for best sound are... Theatre Europe, Drop Zone, Gribbly's Day Out, Beachhead 2, Way of the Exploding Fist, Kennedy Approach, Summer Games 2, Hypersports, Rescue on Fractalis, Rascal, Paradroid, Winter Games, Scatterbase, Batalix, and Ace. Those are our nominations. Uh, we're gonna follow the same pattern again. Uh, we're gonna pull out our three nominations. And then we'll go from there. So, Graham, which one would you like to pull out first from that list?
1: My first um, game from the list for best sound is Beachhead Two. It's not the only game in the list that's got speech, but it's the not just the way the speech works, but the way the speech works with the kind of the machine gun fire and the, the various other noises and this the, the spot effects in the game. All adds up for it to be a really nice sp- sound effects experience overall. They're all thematically linked. It fits the bill. So that's my first nomination. And yours?
0: I'm going to put in uh, Kennedy Approach. I was quite surprised with Kennedy Approach. I'd never never played it. But for an integral use of speech, you know, Kennedy Approach is quite sparse, otherwise sort of sound effects-wise, uh, you know, pretty much, but it's that use of speech in Kennedy approach that is really, really good and unusual. There's loads of it, loads of speech in there, and it wouldn't be the same game and experience without it. So for that reason, you know, the clarity is good, the quality is good, the volume of it, the amount of it, um, and how it actually fits into what that game is trying to do i think it the the sound effects the speech and everything that goes with it, it it's worthy of being in there f- from from my point of view so that's my first nomination so your second one
1: my second nomination bit of an easy one this one really way of the exploding fist what's not to like about that amazing bruce lee scream then followed by all of the actions and counteractions in the game being played off um, probably low quality audio samples, but samples are the same. So it gives you that feel of a real fighting game. Even when you connect in the game, you know it has a real kind of power to it because of that. And so it streets ahead in. Uh, nothing else is like it at this time. Uh, and, and I have to say, I think it's 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 definitely got some of the best sound in the business at the time. So that's my second nomination. Mm, good call. Okay,
0: my next one is Paradroid. Paradroid sounds like droids talking. Essentially, and, and I know from, you know, rem- remembering reading Braybrook's diary at the time that that's what he was going for, and he nailed it. Um, it feels like machines burbling away at each other. And so in that respect sort of thing, so the that opening title screen, you know, it's not music so much as, but just the ambient sound of all that kind of noisy mm. sort of thing. It feels, it feels, it feels machine-like. It does. It really suits it sort of thing. And then not only that, um, but the sound effects within the actual game itself. Yes. You know, there's not a, there's not a bad one amongst them sort of thing. Whether it's the the boom of the disruptor, the the gun, you know, the, the laser fire, the explosions, the you know, it's even managed to do a non-annoying low health sound, yeah, uh, and make that work sort of thing. To the you know, the, the re, you know, when you actually get your health back, mm-hmm. uh, the the sound effects, the simple sound effects of like in the the mini game as well, everything works. Everything, as we said in the visual sort of section. Is in service to that. This feels like a game about robots, and everything is in service to that. And everything works. And it sounds. Yes, it's a SID chip. So yes, it's you know it's artificial noise coming from a, a synthesizer kind of chip. That's great. But it, it, everything feels cohesive again. Wow, Paradoid's so good. Uh, it is. But that's why uh, I would put Paradoid in there as my second choice. Your third one.
1: My third choice. It's actually quite difficult because there's some really good contenders in there. So my third choice, um, I'm going to put in Rascal because what was light on the Defender type gameplay was brilliant in its terms of its arcade style audio and in a sea of games where that's a difficult thing to, that don't seem to achieve that. And yeah, the game wasn't necessarily great um, or one of the greats, but it had amazing sound effects that really, really worked for it. So rascal for me for the third choice. My third
0: one is uh, Scarabaeus.
1: The easy to miss sound effects. If you uh... <laughs>
0: well, this is this is true. If you leave the music on, but press the M key um, when you start playing to turn the music off, and it's got some of the most atmospheric. Um, you know, if you're a space, if you're supposed to be a spaceman in your helmet, then it nails. You know, there's breathing. a heartbeat, breathing sound sort of thing, which is just so atmospheric. And turn it transforms the game it transforms the game into a claustrophobic, mm. you know, maze nightmare. And for, you know, a single sound effect to do that, really, you know, a single piece of sort of audio design to, because the, the music's fine, it's it's an okay piece of music, don't get me wrong. But, you know, for, you know, 1985, for a piece of sound work to just transform something into, you know, that kind of, Visceral kind of experience, which I, which is what I feel when I play Scarabeus with that music on. Especially if you play it now through a decent, you know, decent pair of headphones, you get that really good sound. It's brilliant. It's, it's, it's a superb soundscape that just is, is absolutely, you know, terrifying at times, sort of thing. And, and I think Scarabeus is, you know, sound work is is genius, brilliant. So that for me, um, that that would go in there as well. I think. Do we have any late contenders that we would like to add?
1: Yeah, you know, I think if I was going to put another one in as a sort of a nearly ran, also ran, nearly got there kind of thing, um, I didn't like the game at all. But Batalix has got great sounds because it's got great sort of crazy sounds. But I, I, re- I know, I, I, I didn't get on with the game at all. It's just not my cup of tea. But there's no denying that there's a there's a style of the audio that goes with that game. And erratic and crazy it may be visually. But the audio really does pick up the kind of thematic of that. And it does hit you all the time with constant crazy sounds and noises. It feels like it's got a lot going on. And it's quite exciting to, to hear that. So, you know, crazy game, but the audio does really work. Mm. Well, the sound effects, should I say.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. It was quite quite nice sounds in that thing. Um if I was going to throw one more in, there's a few there that I could do. I mean, all, all these were picked because of, we like the sound effects for you I mean, that's what they do. But if I was going to pick one above the others, it would probably be Rescue on Fractalus. Mm. Again, it's that it's that creating mood. And it, essentially it's one bit again, it's the hammering on the chip. Yeah. Um it's genius. You know, it's it's absolutely genius that you can just leave them out there or you can just fry them. Or you know, there's just and the the sound effects that go with that are quite you know that just that tapping on the tapping on the the hull door, It's worked so well sort of thing, and it creates a mood. It's it's the use of sound to to add to the world itself rather than just being a bleep or a bloop or something. You know, it's it's an actual in-world sound effect yeah. rather than just you know a sound effect for a sound effect's sake sort of thing and it serves a purpose so for me that would that would be rescue and Fractalis would be the one i would put in i, I don't think there's much more to the sound effects in that game there's nothing else that stood to mind so no. it would just be that one one thing which is why i would just but it was so good <laughs> and it lent such a moment that's why i put, put it in okay okay so i think we can you know battle and uh battle and rescue and Fractalis probably you know are also runs we have six in the running, um, I'm going to say that I would have put Way of the Exploding Fist in if you hadn't. Yeah. So I think we, we can be agreed that that's going to be in our top three, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Are there any that I put in that you would have put in?
1: Paradroid, without a doubt. Okay. And the elusive third place. That's and the elusive a tricky third one, place. isn't it?
0: We're looking at beachhead 2 Kennedy approach Rascal and Scarabeus.
1: It's like Battle of the Speeches in it with those top two there the beachhead two and Kennedy approach because they're both they've got a lot of speech in it, but is that their only thing? A Kennedy approach would be nothing without that. it would just be a, a radar. And that, so it lends so much realism to that game. Yes. It's so difficult, isn't it? Beachhead 2, you know, if it wasn't for the quirky sound effects, it kind of be, some of that would be kind of average, but it, there's a lot, again, a lot of speech in there, but there's also other sounds in there. But are they lending, you know, Kennedy Approach wouldn't function without that sort of speech. Mm, but, that's, yeah, exactly. But Scarabaeus. And that breathing, that really does give you a paranoid feeling. It is excellent. Rascal has got amazing arcade sound effects, but you would expect that in a shooting game. Scarabaeus, I think, out of those three, for me, is is from a sound effects point of view, kind of does fit. But it's hard, isn't it? Well, I mean, what about you? Where are you? Where are your sort of? Where's your radar pointing? Because we'll p- pick three, and I don't pick three in any particular order, as well, sort of thing. So we'll explain if it's paradoid Okay, we've
0: got those. Beachhead Two, yeah, I love the speech. I think, as we mentioned in our review of it, sort of thing, the burr and the ah, yeah. and everything about it. It, it lends it a fun approach, but I think that may be to its almost to its detriment a bit, sort of thing, because it makes it a little bit light-hearted, mm-hmm. um, which is supposed to you know it's a, I know it's a two-player thingy game sort of thing. But when you compare it to something like you know the previous Beachhead and Raid Over Moscow, were a bit more serious in tone. If you know Raid Over yeah. Moscow is obviously a bit questionable, but they're a bit more serious, and I think this is going for that. But maybe the speech actually makes it almost into it's almost like a Saturday Saturday morning cartoon.
1: Yeah, the, of, hey don't uh, shoot of, me, of,
0: and uh, yeah, and, and that kind of thing, and uh, and so it it kind of drifts it into that Kennedy approach like you said there would be no game it would be dull as dishwater rather than the tense nightmare that it Mm. actually is with the the, these different planes asking for directions and what the hell's going on and they're in the floor it's you know whatever Mm. i think you're right rascal we we picked it up at the time sort of thing when we looked at it because it wasn't the game i knew but it had great great arcade style sound effects um and so that that is something to be loaded but i think for me i think i think i'd have to go with scarabeus the effect that that sound effect has on the game is almost transformative. Yes. It makes it into something, you know, so much more, and not a Rob Hubbard score, not a thing on a spring, mm. but this is fits thematically. Like we said with Paradroid,
1: this fits thematically with what that game is trying to do absolutely and interestingly if we if i roll back the time clock to many many years ago when we were discussing and we we had discussions like this way back then you know 30 years ago when we were you know, playing different games because you'd, you'd play different games at different stages with different people and borrow them off this person you know the whole way you came across games is very different to it is now but whenever whenever you spoke about scarabaeus even back then, you always made a point of saying about the fact that it was the breathing and the atmosphere. So that's, that's obviously something that stuck with you from yeah. when you first played it right the way through to now. So 30 years later, it still has the same effect. That is genuine sound effects power, that. Yeah. So I think it's goes in our top three yeah. i think it has to yeah? I absolutely yeah i completely agree i mean don't get me wrong the speech in Beecher, two and kennedy approach is amazing for what it is but 30 years later scarabaeus is still made a, a great paranoid ex, uh, experience because of that breathing and that, that pumping heart sound so definitely now out of those three that's uh that's that is a proper difficult choice isn't it
0: yeah so uh, so our top three, in, in no order at this point in time, are Way of the Exploding Fist, Paradroid, and Scalabias. Could You could not get much
1: more of a diverse range of games there.
0: <laughs> no, no, we hadn't. I mean, we had the Scarabeus-Paradroid
1: discussion for visual sort of thing, but mm. again,
0: here, those two games are just, you know, consistent
1: thematically in what they do, aren't they? They're just, you know, they're, po- they're, pol- they're polished products. I think if I'm going to go with my absolute part on this don't get me wrong i love the sound effects in way of the exploding fist but they're derivative of a thing the soundscape that's created by the sound effects in paradroid is genuinely astonishing even now um considering that is a very clever blend of bloops bleeps whizzes zushes, and sounds and things all amalgamated into creating the whole atmosphere of that game from an audio perspective that's an achievement that is an achievement mm-hmm. to do that and to make it feel because that never gets annoying and and if you think of some of the games we've played where the small loops of sounds get very annoying very quickly, Paradroid never suffers from that and that is yeah. that is genuinely amazing. So yeah that's quite, three quite a for talent. me, I think I'd have to go with Paradroid for the top spot. But this ain't a dictatorship. <laughs> That's beachhead two. <laughs> yeah, we've got to fight out with knife fights. That sounds very dangerous. I yeah, think we should nine, do that. <laughs> over nine innings across a, across a, across a bit of water. We'll just go find a nearby fishing pond, kick the fishermen off, <laughs> go, oi, go <laughs> and, go, get a commodity for a play indoors. Much more fun for you. And then uh, we'll just, you know, across the river, just throw knives. I don't like the idea of throwing knives. Can we throw something that doesn't hurt? Clams? um Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? uh, Yeah, okay. I've never... I don't think I've ever ever come across a clam and um, i had one thrown at me I'm, there's a whole i've got a whole train of thought in my mind that's probably completely not suitable for podcasting right now no um,
0: it's because i think that same point is uh, that
1: same train of thought is that we're <laughs> going across my mind as think, well i don't think you know, having clams thrown at me sounds idyllic in some ways but horrific in others anyway so where are you going to go the question is you know where the exploding first power droid scarabase i know where are my my pointers it, pointing where about you
0: I love where they explain it first. Um, I, we said it again, sort of thing about that, the, the Bruce Lee scream that, are, you know, what, the, what emits from the speakers is incredible. The the music is, lo- you know, sorry, that's not the music, the, the sound effects, the punches, the bloops, the boops sort of thing that, you know, everything is great in that great game sort of thing. But I think you're right sort of thing. It, it's a bit rough on the ears at times. There is a bit a moment sort of thing where it does get a bit. Um, and I think, you know, it, it is, it, it is derivative. I think, I think you're right in that respect. I think Scarabaeus is nothing without that thingy. And then, and you can play the game entirely without it and miss it which is it pains me to say <laughs> um but you could do that and you might be sat here now listening to us going what heartbeat <laughs> um in which people. case i'll be like, uh, uh, uh yeah so you might be but you know press if you, if the do, m then, key press the m <laughs> button yeah it's just it's just waiting there why that <laughs> in the default i'd never know um but it could be something but i i'm gonna agree with you um, Paradoid is as is a, is a, is a soundscape. I remember it, it got like a really high score, didn't it? Back in up yep. and, and people moaned, something, of, There was no music or anything. It's like completely missing the point of what what yep. that game was doing, which was thematically going. Here's a load of robots, and this yep. is what they might sound like, and you know, and everything about it, sort of thing, going round, bouncing off stuff, buying, doing all the kind yep. of everything about it. And you, you are right that that. that do, 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 do. Yeah. You know, just that, that home, the background, home, the the throbs, the, the everything about it, just don't become annoying in any shape or form, and just works to solidify what is, you know, a, a brilliant game. And so, yeah, yeah, for me, best sound would have to go to Paradroid. So the best sound award goes to
1: Paradroid from Houston Games, created by none other than Andrew Braybrook. Andrew Braybrook will accept like, yes. this award uh, on behalf of Andrew he can't be, he can't be with us today
0: <laughs> no we can't um, um, in, uh, in uh, Runners Up uh, our Way of the Exploding Fist and Scarabeus um, with honourable nominations to Beachhead 2 Kennedy Approach Rascal Battleix and Orescu on Fractalis all utilising the SID chip to create uh, excellent sound effects um, for our oral pleasure.
1: Oh God, no! <laughs> that, that, went bit, that went a bit. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you were doing when you were when you were playing those uh, those games. <laughs> and that's that's oral ple- Oral pleasure with an A. A A U, yes, yes, that's how Andy. you spell it. Yes. yes. Arrow pleasure. Arrol. We'll say Arl.
0: Harold. 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 Right. More that's meat best in the claws, Harold. <laughs> that's best sound. Um, okay. So up next, uh, we're gonna go away for a, a brief break now, and we're gonna come back. Uh what are we gonna do next? Let's have a look. Uh I think uh coming back, we're going to do the Sunday best. Award. Um, so stick around for that. So, what games were purchased that went in the draw and kept for Sunday best? Mm. by now after the break. Welcome back. So, we've had uh, best visuals, we've had best sound effects. Now we've got the category which we like to call The Sunday Best. So these are the games which might have been bought by an an, an unknowing relative. um, When they saw you playing it, sort of thing, you you explained to them, sort of thing, that you didn't want to play it too much uh, because it might wear out the tape. (laughs) So you wanted to put it away in the drawer for Sunday Best. These are games that you'd only bring out, you know, maybe when these relatives actually turned up. Um, You know, this is. The Dross. <laughs> um, yeah. So oh, this, boy, is is your, this is your Sunday best draw. This is, <laughs> this is the list to, to be envied. Being on this list is not something you want. But anyway, um, and unfortunately, I think this is probably our longest list.
1: <laughs> well, do you know what? This isn't all inclusive either. This no, is like the, <laughs> the, the best of the worst, so I suppose, really. And this is just the list of those. And yeah. I, don't, I hesitate to call them the best of the worst. This is like the you know, worst of the worst. I don't know what it is. Anyway, right,
0: so... And nominations for the going into the draw for Sunday best are Hunter Patrol, Cops and Robbers, Dickie's Diamonds, Ghost Chaser, Silu, Vegan Attack, Merlin. Give my regards to Broad Street, Web Dimension, Starfire, Fire One, Glider Pilot, Blagger Goes to Hollywood, <laughs> Cyphoid Nine, Circus Circus, Hunchback at the Olympics, Operation Swordfish, Nutcracker, Jack Charlton's Match Fishing, A View to a Kill, Brian Bloodaxe, Ian Botham's Test Cricket, Out on a Limb. Sorcerer Attack, Doughboy, Spy's Demise, and Spy Strikes Back.
1: Goodness me. There's what a list. collection. That's like the worst <laughs> Now album ever. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if that was a compilation? Someone gave yeah. you a compilation, you'd be like, and they called it Sunday Best. Say <laughs> 64, Sunday Best. Each one of these games, a classic. That, you, that would be way for best forever. <laughs> Goodness me, uh, what a list. Gee,
0: what a stinker. This is what would cause the crash, isn't it? If you bought yes. this lot. <laughs> it's a wonder it didn't. <laughs> That's what I mean. Okay, so <sighs> spoilt for choice here about what we're gonna actually put into our into our final <laughs> list. We may Goodness need more, more more space. This uh, the drawer is gonna be very full. <laughs> Isn't it just? Uh, it's full to bursting at the moment, sort of thing. But out of those, that full to bursting draw, we need to pull out the real stinkers.
1: Yes, the real, we do. Uh, and it's it's difficult. I, I'm I'm sort of trying to think of a strategy I wanna, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to. Because well, I, I, do you go for games that tried and failed? Do you go for games that failed but tried? Or do you just go for games that are just rubbish because they're rubbish? And these are all in there for many reasons. Most as but Big they're all T- as rubbish B- in one way or another. As Big Tony said, go with your heart. Go with your heart. <laughs> um, okay, so, oh, my gosh, this is a nightmare. Do you know... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm yeah, it just is. gonna go
1: go for it straight off the bat because I think it's the stupidest game idea. Glider pilot is in from one of my first choice. Why okay. do I need to say why? You do need to say why. A glider simulator would have been bad enough anyway, but this not simulating gliding, It is dull, <laughs> boring. Look at the green. Look at the blue. Nonsense. Unenjoyable. Take all the fun of something, remove all of the bits that make it fun, and what are you left with? Glider pilot. So dog egg. Bad for you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a light frothy souffle. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. No, so what's your next, what's your first
0: choice? It's not easy. I think easy. I'm going to put, I think I'm going to put Brian Bloodaxe. I thought you might put that in there. In there so we had a, a, a slew of these kind of flick screen platformers where obviously the spectrum heritage was worn plainly on their color clashing sleeve and this was this was another one I th- you know of those it, this starts off badly with poorly chosen Monty Python referencing um, if I remember rightly sort of thing I'm, I'm, yep. I'm struggling to remember some of these sort of things because they are so yep. bad it's like my internal hard drive has just erased them well um, I'll give you just to give you a flashback Brian Bloodaxe was the one that took over your C64. Yes, uh, it did. And and, and and any game where your movement speed is dependent on the amount of enemies on screen. <laughs> oh, it's just. does no, not just compute. No. Um, it's just, you know, uh, we got enough of these. I mean, for God's sake, Jet Set, you know, if you played Jet Set Willy. Fine, you know you can like Jet Set, where you can like Manic Miner, you can like Bounty boy you can do all those kind of games. They're they're fine. Don't do a knockoff version of them with some crap humour that is awful in every respect, that's poorly programmed, that's you know has. Terrible, terrible slowdown. Slowdown is not something, you know, we see it time to time, sort of thing, but slowdown on this level, um, no. because this is coming out about maybe two, three months before something like Monty on the Run hits, which is mm-hmm. speedy, snappy, fast, and never slows down, ever. No. Um, despite everything it's doing, it was awful on every respect. Um, yep. And so um, I nominate Brian Bloodax. I don't blame you, and I understand.
1: That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my counselor my... understands. <laughs> <laughs> my second choice and this isn't easy believe you me because I eat almost all of these games with a passion in every possible way for different reasons I am stuck between <laughs> two but you know what I'm just going to say it Ian Botham's test cricket okay because it's a cricket game played from the most stupid angle possible featuring a duck that coughs out a cricket ball <laughs> at some point an irrefutably stupid game logic of the kind that makes no sense so they've just taken everything ab- I mean I don't even like cricket I have absolutely no affinity for cricket at all however this is a bad game Game and in mm-hmm. every possible way. Graphics play, everything's rubbish. Everything. And even the advert was rubbish. <laughs> so it's just bad form. And it was full <laughs> price as well, which was the real clincher. So, yeah. Ian Bothman's Test Cricket. Get in the draw.
0: All right, I'm gonna go. My oh god, this it's like a it's like a smorgasbord of ass.
1: It is. Each one of those is a uh, skid mark on the history <laughs> of the Commodore 64.
0: I'm trying to give a bit of credence to maybe ones that came out earlier, but yeah, again, there these is that. Were, but but then again, I am looking at these sort of things. These were released in this period and wanted and were and were charged money for. Yes. So they they're all they're all fair game as far as I'm concerned. But obviously, I'm gonna to have to put Jack Charlton's match fishing in. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> I have to. It has to go in there. It's it's stupid. Yes. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Jack Charlton's <laughs> match fishing is ridiculous in every respect. You can make a decent fishing game. You can do decent fishing stuff, sort of thing. You can look at, you know. I mean, later on, obviously, but even in stuff like, you know, simple stuff like in Zelda, you can do top down fishing. It didn't have to be like this. It didn't have to like this Um, it was it's stupid from the idea of you know hold your (laughs) hands under the bloody table to play it. eight (laughs) of you no eight people are going to sit around for eight hours they're going to go fishing or do something else instead I could have watched Zack Snyder's Justice League twice in this period of time ah no Jack Charlton's Match Fishing is a ridiculous concept, done ridiculously and
1: badly programmed and bad. It is a bad, bad thing. Absolutely. And I suspect Jack Charlton agrees. Bless him. Okay, so that's your choice number two. So my choice number three, this is actually the hardest one, isn't it? The third one, when you think about it. It Which is... I'm just going to go for it. Circus Circus. A game clearly programmed by an idiot and drawn by a (laughs) three-year-old. So... Uh, had no redeeming features at all (laughs) it's just rubbish it's absolute rubbish it's so rubbish they named it the same thing twice and that's not and that's that's on the box (laughs)
0: the game's so bad we had to
1: name it twice utter utter crap so awful I, I can't even begin to explain but everything about it's wrong everything everything about it's wrong and th- yeah there's there's other things that got lower scores in that list in zap than circus circus not much but it got mm-hmm. there's things that got lower scores but for me personally that was an affront to the games any of the games it's just it, it was clearly unfinished and not it was just rubbish no there you go there you go it's in the drawer okay so your final choice
0: oh god there's so much there. I think it's going to have to be Merlin.
1: <laughs> I thought you might put that in there.
0: Really? I'll, I'll put, You know, I, I can see the pitch. i tell you what, let's do a fantasy-themed jetpack. Oh, wow, that sounds great. Make that, make that happen. Okay, yep. I will do. Two months later,
1: you come back. What have you done? <laughs> yeah, so you do, just before you go, you do have to programme, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just checking, <laughs> because, well, you know, it's yeah. quite ambitious. <laughs>
0: With with modern game engines, we don't need
1: programming. Watch. (laughs) You're fired. Yeah, with good When he came to show that did you draw these graphics yourself or did someone help you? Because they're they're a bit weird. Why is that tree as big as a mountain?
0: So Merlin is another affront. Um, if you purchase this, whatever it was, was it two ninety nine or three ninety nine? It was yeah, whatever it was. Too It was two. It was two ninety nine. Too much. You essentially fly around a ginormous cauldron, collecting stuff so and big. dropping it in there, and it's it's so just big. ridiculous. It is bad, uh, bad. Yeah, it's another one of those you, you question yourself playing it. What have I done that's led me to this? Um, it, it Did
1: bring tears to my eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that that's my that's my third one. Um, I think in case of this, because we've got so many, we
1: are going to put another one in. Go on. have have it? Have another one okay so the, the 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 fourth the fourth one in the list this is actually they're getting harder now because each one of the ones i've put in so far are, are rubbish there's no doubt about that. Yeah, they are dog egg. So it's just picking a fourth. You know, the dog has now just crouched down and laid another <laughs> egg. I've had to pick up that egg. I've had to go and get rid of it. But what does the egg shape look like? Uh, what was written on the box? Oh, that's tricky. I, there's games I want to put in there, but I, you know what? I'm going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to choose something that's far worse. I'm going to put in there a view to a kill. Whoa, I'm going to put great. a view to a kill in it. And I'll tell you why I put it in there. Because you've, as much as the source material is not great, and it ain't, you've got a James Bond game if you can't make a good James Bond game there's something very wrong and you didn't have to do it that way you didn't have to make it into some complex crazy Um, Mm -hmm. yeah I know the source material is not great but you can pick out the bits from a James Bond game and make it into something very it doesn't have to be what they tried and it's graphically it's inept and that awful open screen where that stickman walks out and, and wheels a sandwich <laughs> in that and everything about it as soon as you see that you're like there's something gone horribly wrong with this game and in every capacity that sh- that's the game that sh- had the money behind it. i suspect for that license and all of the talent that went into it and something somebody's interfered with that somewhere or they pressed the delete button or something happened and oh you've deleted my best scrolling code i'm gonna have to rewrite that now and put in something inferior you know i don't know what happened but something went wrong and that came out yeah
0: so, i think i think of you two Kill is is, uh, an example of not enough time
1: yeah possibly I, but you know I think, this is a unforgiving chart it's, chat. it's, make it, it's time. It sort of thing
0: yeah if you you know I think that's a the marketing people would say we need this game out to coincide with the film you've got this amount of time it's, in the, it's the ET syndrome mm. you know you've got six weeks whatever sort of thing so but yeah but it doesn't excuse it because it's still as, as we rightly say absolute dog egg that's um, right I think the last one I'm going to put in now I could there are a wealth of stuff I could put in obviously this whole a, a whole list could go in but one particular one that I think I'm going to put in as our last entry I could put cops and robbers And I could put spies To my spy strikes back But I just think they're just It's too easy That's just shooting fish in a barrel That's that's fishing with grenades in it Yeah yeah. that's badly drawn fish In a badly drawn barrel That doesn't look like anything
1: It's not animated That fish So
0: I'm going to go With Dickie's Diamonds A game that led me to Hopefully Thought it would be about Dickie Davis and so my th- my hopes were dashed immediately when this travesty of a game appeared before my eyes. This is ridiculous. So it's um you know it's a Amidar type nonsense thing um, where you go around a web as an owl, colouring it in, and avoid a spider of some description. I think and then the yep. spider uncolours the web that you've coloured in. But it's it, it's just rubbish. It takes an age to draw the web. But the worst thing about this game, sort of thing, one of the worst things I've seen, sort of thing, is this stupid mechanic that this owl only has a certain number of flights. <laughs> That's not how owls work. <laughs> <laughs> Owls don't have a limit. It's like, oh, that's me done for the day. Oh, have exhausted
1: my flight limit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I really wish I caught that mouse on the last one because I'm took be, out of flight. Well, it'd
1: be if you mentioned that because that can't just apply to one bird species. Every bird in the planet must have a certain <laughs> number of flights. Yeah, so you know, it's ridiculous. We, we, we go. I can't go south for the winter. I've run out of flights about two weeks ago. I'm just going to have to stay here. So, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Also, Stupid. the owl is tiny, and the, or the spider's massive. Something that does.
0: Why would anyone know? I mean, somebody's no. looked at Amadou and gone, I'll have a bit of that. And no, you shouldn't have. You
1: really shouldn't. So my, my last one is Dickie's Diamonds. Yeah, and justifiably so, I think. You know. Any yeah. game where you can make it more complicated by just adding the more complicated option at the opening, uh, where you can say, yeah, just put the extra enemies in. Okay, you have them. No stupid idea. Crap. Yeah, it, it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at is the place. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, Goodness I'm tempted mate. just to go first place is Joint. <laughs> but <laughs> Jack, I think we, it's it's easy to do that isn't it? It is, but we we know we need to we need to stick true to our task of picking yes. the actual, you know, the, the 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 Sunday best game of this yes. lot. So our nominations uh our, our final nominations, our final group of games is Glider Pilot, Brian bloodaxe Ian Botham's Test Cricket, Jack Charlton's Match Fishing, Circus Circus, Merlin a view to a kill and Dickies Diamonds. Alas, we'll do this again, sort of thing. Were there any on my list that would have hit your list?
1: Jack Charlton's match fishing. So, what about yours off my list? I think Circus Circus and that elusive third place banner. So, <sighs> it's, it's, and this is quite funny, really, because it's like the, th- the the third least <laughs> shittest. <laughs> The third most shit. What is it? It's a, we have the, the logic broken. <laughs> so It's not the most. Shit, it's
0: just the third least chist The and the and or function has just collapsed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My Boolean brain is broken, <laughs> or oh, has it? <laughs> okay. We're doing nerdy jokes. We've reached nerdy joke park. I've mean, <laughs> got Boolean humour. <laughs> 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 Laugh. Or <laughs> don't. Anyway, uh, right. So, no, yeah. oh my gosh.
0: Right. So, glider pilot Brian Bloodax, Ian Botham's test cricket. Mail in kill or Dickie's diamond. Goodness me. Are there, are there any in that those six that you would think don't deserve to be in the in the top bottom three? <laughs>
1: They all deserve to be in there. I think it's so difficult that each one has something horrible that I really hated. Whether it's an owl that has a limited flight, pointless waste of a license, a game that has no discerning link to its actual creative game that it's trying to emulate, pointless Stupid collect humour that has no place and doesn't work and is too slow. Or a game that involves simulating something that shouldn't have ever been simulated because it's unnecessary. Mm. Where do you go with that? It's hard, I think. I think I'd probably take... Oh, I, I don't know. That's so difficult. I think... Do you just go for... I don't know. That's so
0: hard. I'm going to say A View to a Kill doesn't belong in there. Because as bad as A View to a Kill is, and it is not a great game, it's still... Works and is still there's still some, there's some, it's a bit, bad, a bit we know, to it's it, bad. yeah.
1: But <laughs> so, yeah,
0: and, and I, you know, the, as, as brown as Paris looks, that, three, <laughs> that 3D effect <laughs> isn't that bad, and you know, it's a bit dull, but at least it's you know, so. I, I, I don't think
1: of you to a kill as as bad as those other five, no. So, it's really a, for me, it's actually, I think I'm actually, it's a toss up really between Glider Pilot and both them for me at the moment. <laughs> um, okay. Dickie's Diamond's bad, but Dickie's Diamond is a kiddie's kind of game. And, you know, and if we take it in that respect, then maybe kids would probably play it for a bit. I don't know. I certainly wouldn't have liked it, but maybe that's it. Maybe that was its target audience. Ian Botham's Test Cricket fails at every level to engage anyone in the notion of cricket. <laughs> Glider Pilot fails at any notion of getting enjoyment out of gliding. Um, Brian Bloodaxe, all right, it's, it's the collect them up with a bad sense of everything but there's there's just there's lots of collect them ups in that in that world and it so it's it's in a it's in bad company anyway anyway mm-hmm. so what about Merlin Merlin again Merlin is just you know my my my, my Statement at the time was, if I'm going to play Jetpack, I'm just going to play Jetpack. I'm not going to yeah. bother with Merlin. I would have been angry if I'd have paid full price for Merlin, though. And so maybe the price has to factor into some of these. And I think for me, as much as I hate Glider Pilot, and I do, Ian Botham's test cricket was full price, and it is a rip-off for what it is. So maybe that's the one I would I would choose to put in there. But, you know, it's not just about what I choose. What do you think? Where would you go? Brian Budak's angered me.
0: Um, it did, but, uh, but but it's too much of just like another one of those sort of things. It's just, uh, glider pilot. The thing with glider pilot is I think glider pilot is more pointless than bad. There's a, there's an argument to be made there. Yeah, it's true. Not that it's, you know, it, if you're going to simulate gliding in a you know, you know it, gliding in a glider, it kind of does that. It's just the most pointless thing to do. Yeah, yes, um, that's so, a good argument actually. And so maybe glider pilot, like a view to a kill. Is just a, a bad game but not offensively bad it does what it yeah. does yeah. um and so for me glider pilot is more you know pointless and like ugh than yeah Aye. um which is how I'm kind of rank sort of ranking these so yeah. to me glider pilot would would not fit in there I, th- I think if we if we're looking at reasons to put stuff out so you're
1: just left with Brian Bloodaxe, Ian Botham, <laughs> Tesco Kit, Merlin and Dickie's diamonds
0: Dickies Goodness Diamonds me. has stupid mechanics.
1: is a not a
0: great game, but at least it does work. It does achieve what it sets out to do, even if that's stupid. Yeah, and has a ridiculous mechanic, but you know, and, yeah. and, that, and that angered me some in respect it, But I, I can, you know, whatever. I think, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna fall with you. I think Ian Bothams. Don't forget, sort of thing. I didn't put in Tim loves cricket. <laughs> as bad as that was, sort of thing. This was worse. From that perspective, I think Ian Botham's Test cricket. Yeah, I think it was. A, it was an appalling travesty of a cricket sim that doesn't deserve mine or your time. Um, so I think that gives us our our bottom three That's our to three. He does to, to to put in the ring and and fight it out. So we have two really bad. Sports Sims, we've got Jack Charlton's Match Fishing and Ian and Test Cricket and we have
1: uh Circus Circus. Where, where do you want to start? <laughs> I don't know. They're equally, they're all awful. And um, I'm now starting to think about the adverts that go with them as well, because that's that, you know, that's if we we have to look at the whole picture for these, because you know, okay. people were enticed into buying them. Um, you've got two celebs um at the time, both, you know, Jack Charlton, big name in football, or ex-footballer, but name in sporting, definitely a big name. Uh-huh. Ian both yeah. them was very big at cream cricket at the time. So Surfaces I think were I am gonna have to <laughs> Yeah, they were. Because of the weight that those celebrities of the time lend those games, I'm gonna lean towards one of those two being in the, the worst. Because I think that's a it's a Mickey take, really, because people trusted, you know, the celebrities to endorse something that would actually have a value to them.
0: Mm.
1: Now, I don't think there's a harmful bone in Jack Charlton's body. <laughs> Now, I don't know much about Ian Botham, but if you go to Chat Children's match fishing, you can select the rods and you can do all that fishing stuff. You might not like it and it's slow and it's weird and the controls are weird and all of that. And it isn't a good game, but you can almost fish in it if you, if you choose to do it, albeit really weird. Uh-huh. I would argue that Ian Botham's test cricket is uh, not a good cricket game. And that's what it sets out to do. And Ian Botham must have known that because he's a cricket player. Mm-hmm. So the Boolean logic's kicking in. If <laughs> It's an if-else statement. If Ian Botham... <laughs> And, no I'm joking um, I think for me I think the worst game in that out of those three as much as it's you know it's, it's like saying which is the you know which turd are you going to eat and,
0: and, and Circus Circus was cheap wasn't it was a it was budget. cheap
1: nasty rubbish and budget but Ian Botham's was full price it's a cricket game that, where you can't really play cricket at all it makes no sense and that Ian Botham put his name to and I think that if it's if before all those reasons and all the fact that it's, st- it's just rubbish and that's my I think it's you know that's going in my draw for Sunday best forever <laughs>
0: That's going under the under the socks of the boxers.
1: And that's, that's, that is going <laughs> the back. But what about you? Is that is that? Do you think that thought process is valid, or are you along the same lines? I
0: think you've made a a, a valid case there, which I, I can I can get behind. It means I don't have to think too much about the horrors. <laughs> of these. So I'm willing to get on board your Ian Botham's Test cricket uh, bus um, as our. G- game for Sunday best <laughs> I think that's a, a nominate because I do I do think you're right actually I, I, as bad as Jack Charlton's match fishing is it's it's not great and it is a bit rubbish sort of thing there is things you can do if you're going to simulate fishing then fishing is sitting around a lot of the time doing very little and that game yep. does that yeah, it does it perfectly. <laughs> so, yeah, it does it perfectly. So in that respect, it's an absolute triumph. But it's just not, a, you know, it's not a triumph you want to sort of simulate in your living room with eight or seven other people. Uh, nope. Circus Circus, I'll cut it some slack in the regards to these other two because it's cheap. It's a bad platformer on every respect. Um, sprites are terrible and everything like that. But yeah, I think the notion that Ian Beefy Botham was a bit of a beloved character in the eighties. You know, he's cricketer. He played football for Scunthorpe and all these kind of stuff. Did he? He played football, yeah, he played football first on top. No, I didn't know that. It doesn't make me think any better of him for making this game. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, but I think in those respects, we looked at Tim Love's cricket as, you know, as bad as that was sort of thing. We looked at Graham Gucci and that was actually pretty decent. This year doesn't do what it's setting out to do. And in that respect, due to that license, due to everything it is, I think I'm going to go with you. Yes. The award for Sunday Best Game goes to Ian Botham's Test Cricket isn't it just mm, being both in <laughs> it does um, our runners up uh, other games never to take out the Sunday best draw uh, Jack Charlton's match fishing and Circus Circus with honourable <laughs> mentions dishonourable <laughs> <to> dishonourable <laughs> dis mentions yeah, mention- <laughs> yeah. Uh, to Brian Bloodaxe Merlin A View to a Kill Glider Pilot and Dickies
1: Diamonds uh, and just one final note there I would say is yeah, don't feel that that list of what we've put in our Sunday best draw is completely conclusive in any way. Feel free to take any of those games that we nominated and put them in your own Sunday best draw. (laughs) Because trust me, we're doing you a (laughs) favour. We play them so you don't have to. Yeah,
0: that's our motto. (laughs) It really is. Uh, So there you go. The Sunday best award. Ian Botham's Test Cricket. Thank you very much for that. Um, Right. So we'll be back in a moment. Uh, after this short break, where we will be looking at, ooh, nice one actually, uh, best music. Uh, so mm. join us, join us for that. Mm. Welcome back um, after the uh, horror that was the Sunday best uh, draw award. Um, we're here with something. Uh, well, much better really sort of thing. We're here for best music um, and we have a number of nominations for this. We're going to do the same thing. So we're going to list, list these out, put our three ch- choices in and see what we th- will land on. Um, so our nominations for best music go to Shadowfire, Cauldron, Clumsy Calling, Action Biker, Eat Skips, <laughs> Roland's Rat Race, Thing on a Spring, Confusion, Summer Games 2, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Monty on the Run, Hypersports, Notes of Yesod, Wizardry, Winter Games, Scarabeus, and Crazy Comets. That's our list.
1: There's the list. Cool. That's and our list. Some cracking some cracking music in there. Do
0: you want to go first or shall I? What so do you want to, to you?
1: do? Uh, you go first this time. I've been first for the last okay. few episodes.
0: so. <laughs> I'm going to put in...
1: Uh, Crazy Comets. Good
0: choice. Crazy crazy Comets, obviously a Hubbard piece. Uh, Again, great, solid, in-game tune. High score tune is excellent as ever. You know, Hubbard is really, at this point in time, really coming into his own. I'm not you know, up on the technicalities of Hubbard Player One or Hubbard Player Two or whatever those sort of things are. I don't know these things sort of things. So I just go by what I listen to. Um, and But this is just a... This is a really good example. Again, and we, we've seen this quite a few times. The game is all right. It's Mad Planets. It's okay. You know, it is what it is sort of thing. It's, a, it's an okay, competent conversion take on Mad Planets. But that music once again you know is responsible for lifting a slightly above average game into you know almost you know good great game territory um and we we see this a lot and so the crazy comics tune is it's just a really you know it's unusual it's fast paced it's got a good it's got a you know good melody there are you know lots of unusual bits to it it feels you know spacey and a bit sci fi um and it just it just works once again with with that game and it it lifts you know it lifts that game up Um, so for me Crazy Comets is a, is a bit of a no-brainer, I think.
1: Good choice. Excellent choice, yeah. Um, I'm going to put my first choice in, and, mm-hmm. and the one I'm going to go to is Hypersports. Mm-hmm. Hypersports, the opening music when it first starts in that game is extraordinary. It's extraordinary for lots of different reasons. It's even, aside from the fact that it's a great version of Chariots of Fire, which is it's itself is actually quite a, a brave thing to take on in terms of the Commodore 64. There's a level of attack and maturity to the music on the Commodore 64 version that lends it just as much weight as the original in my book. When that first comes out of the speakers when you play it, it sounds huge. It's a massive. I mean, aside from all the other in-game little bits of music and all the rest of it, that main theme is astonishing. It's an achievement. And even if the game was kind of average, the game's pretty good, actually. That music is, is, an, is a real achievement in there. It's Martin Galway at his absolute best, um, really firing on all cylinders, using the sit chip and all three three channels to their maximum. And it is a beautiful thing to listen to. And it never has lost that power for me. So Hypersports is in my first choice. Mm-hmm. Good call.
0: Good call. I'm going to go with Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Excellent uh, choice. As my next, as my next selection. I think, as we we noted this in in our review when we we looked at it, actually in the in the issue or the episode it came out and sort of thing, that uh, this could have gone horribly wrong. Mm. This could be, you know, horribly wrong. As, as we noted, sort of thing. This isn't, you know, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. This is Frankie Goes to Hollywood and, and, and Trevor Trevor Horn. Is it Trevor Horn? It's... Yes. Yes. Trevor Horn. Yes. Yeah, Trevor Frankie, Trevor yeah. Horn. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is, you know, the legendary sort of producer. This is a massive sound um, and and a huge plethora. Of, of tunes to actually go at here, sort of thing that could have gone horribly wrong, but they, they didn't. It's it's a it's a brilliant piece. I always get these confused as well. Is it Matt or Fred Gray? And I always get right. them confused. It's Fred Gray, isn't it? Yes. Um. It's the word, it's the name Gray. I just, in my head, sort of thing, doesn't always work. So Fred, Fred Gray has taken on, you know, w- w- one of the pop powerhouses at the time and managed to cram it all into 64, along with the game, into 64K. Mm. I have no idea how he did it. Each tune is, you know, it's recognizable, it's enjoyable there's loads of little musical stabs through it there's you know the some of the in the sort of mini game tunes are really nice they go around the, just the main the actual main theme sort of thing the the you know uh that's welcome to the pleasure dome no 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 yeah it's welcome to the pleasure Dome. sorry yep. yes Every, everything about this could have been could have been a, a, a bad bad thing but the fact that it doesn't the fact that it works um you know only helps to to make the game so good but again this is a this is a brave thing to take on i think hypersports is a, you know a single tune this is a and almost an mm. album's worth oh, it is good uh, of, of stuff So Uh, hats off to to make it this quality this good in 64k along with the entirety of that game astonishing astonishing
1: and so I think it needs to be recognized and that's why I put it in the list very good so my second choice is uh, Monty on the Run Monty on the Run is a one One of of us has to pick it well (laughs) absolutely but it's one of the most accomplished pieces of Combo 64 music of all time Mm -hmm. and there's loads of other music that is as good and works in different ways but Monty on the Run is so perfect for that game even if it wasn't a great piece of music, which it is. It's the composition, it's pace, the sound of sounds that they used, the way that it fits into the game, combined with the high score music and with the music when you uh, you lose all your lives and all the rest of those things, you know, it's just brilliant. It's one of the first times when it, you know, there are games that have great sounds, and they're all in this list actually. But that is one of the ones that really makes you sit up and, and sit up and listen, and it's a real benchmark game for the Commodore sixty four. So for me, Mountain Run is well it has to be in the list. It has to be.
0: No, I'm not going to argue with that. I think it has to be. Yeah. Okay. So my last one, I think I would go with. Oh, you know what? I'll put Thing on a Spring on. Thing on a Spring is a good choice. Yeah, it's a good tune. It's a very good tune. It's a, it's an early cupboard but again, another one of those things we mentioned something sort of like like Crazy comments Probably like Monty Other Run as well. It's a it's a tune that elevates a game. Mm. And again, this has it has that feeling of of, of springiness. It's a you know it, it's, it's hard it's hard to describe. But as a as a game about you being a thing on a spring, you know the 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 the, the stabs in the music that sort of thing. It yeah. Like a spring, you know, bouncing sort of thing, then it works. So, for as much as something like Monty on the Run is probably technically much better, I think the thing on a spring has a slight, there's, there's slight elements to it, sort of thing that actually fit the game better, sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, as a, as a, as a score to a, you know, as a piece of music to accompany a game about a certain thing, this really does work very well. And and, and on its own, it's a, it's a pretty decent piece of music sort of thing. Again, this is, you know, it's, it's early Hubbard. It, it's not going to stand up against his best, but I think this is a fun a fun little tune that really does that works very well in the game. And again, as, as annoying as this game is, and this game is bloody annoying, does kind of make you want to come back to it. Yes. And that's, you know, that's yeah. quite the accomplishment to do for, for a game that is ultimately quite annoying. Yeah. So, uh, for those reasons,
1: I'm going to put Thing Out a Spring in there. And I think for my final choice, I'm going to put Put Shadowfire in there. Shadowfire is another Fred Gray piece of music. Um, it's, it's really jovial and light. Really nice choice of sounds in there. Um, really captures the kind of a kind of a feel for that game. Lends itself a lot to it, and it is one that you can go back to and listen to. And it and it still has that resonating sort of jo- jovial power to it. Great, great piece of music. Um, so I think it's deserved of being in, in that place. It's interesting how that uh, how our top six has come to be sort of dominated by one or two people, really. But you know what? This all changes. In in next year, this is going to be a much harder, much much harder list to pick out from. Oh god, yeah. But that said, there, we are where we are. So Shadow Five for me because it is a great, great. It's short, but it's a great piece of music all the same. I think that's a good six. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I think if I was going to put an also ran in there, uh, I'm going to put wizardry in. I know it's it's twee and it's kind of in the game bloody annoying at times, but there is something about that opening wizardry music that I remember thinking when I first loaded it up and we're going back many many. Many years. I remember thinking then, that's a nice piece of music. Ever since then, I kind of thought the same, and I, and everyone I've ever spoken to about it, and I've spoken to hundreds of different people, not randomly, just got to people. And go, Have you heard of Wizardry? They go, yeah, no, I've not done that. But people who in the you know, <laughs> retro gaming world, people who I know, <laughs> know randomly and, on and, the street, and, you know, if you speak to any of them about the all the different music, everyone goes for the same music. Generally speaking, you know, this t- tends to be the same few tunes that everyone kind of likes, same bit of music. But Wizardry seems to be the real, you know, it's a consistent factor in that, and nobody really. He seems to know why it's got a really strange history about the music in Wizardry we haven't got time to go into it now but Wizardry is one I would put in there as an also run okay yeah, that's a good call. I'm going to stick roll and drop racing. I thought you might. I was wondering if you might put that in your three, but um, yeah, I think no, I would, I if I, I, I wouldn't I, have chosen Woodrow, I think I, I'd have gone for that one as well.
0: I think there's a great piece of music on the train, which is buried deep within the game, which yeah. is actually worth just getting to the train for to listen to. Cause it's a really good piece of music. However, I think the opening stab of this reminds me of that sort of wow wow. Yeah. when it comes in. That's great. The main tune in and of itself sort of thing is one of the most earwormy earworm tunes on the C64. I, I said it in the review sort of thing. I, I, I find Myself, even before we've gone back to play these sort of thing, it's a tune I will hum. It will just pop into my head and I will hum it. That <laughs> and I, I was just in and, it, and I will just hum it. And it's, you know. It's got nothing to do with Roland Rat. I think it's just, you know, a rat in the sewers or anything like that. It's just a really catchy earworm, Mm. which is not something, you know, because this is a Galway tune, it's not something I normally associate with Galway. No. Um, um, This catchy little hook. Um, And so for me, yeah, I think Roland Roland's Rat Race deserves deserves to be in that sort of final eight. I think yes. I think it's it. But for that for this time period, um, if it was released a year later, probably not. It would be superseded by yeah. many many other titles. But what we have here, I think it I think it needs to be in there. Okay, so we've got our sort of contenders. We have so obviously Wizardry and Roland's Rat Race are also ran. So we've got six titles here: Crazy Comets, Hypersports, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Monty on the Run, Thing on the Spring, and Shadow Fire. So, I would have picked Monty on the run. I think that's going to be in our top three. That's going to be in the top three. Uh, I would have picked Crazy Comets. Okay, so that will be in our top three as well. Yeah. I guess, by process of elimination. Okay, I think we're both under the impression, sort of thing, that Thing on a Spring and Shadowfire are not going to make that top three. No. So and i think i would have put hypersports in yeah so if you, I did if, put you it in. if you hadn't of
1: you yeah. hadn't of so hypersports then do you think hypersports is better than frankie Goes to hollywood i think that's actually quite difficult i think from a composition point of view it's better i
0: mean cuz they're kind of both doing a
1: cover yeah shall we say. and i think so. if, and if it's a battle between two people doing covers i think hypersports is a better version of Chariots of fire and don't get me wrong they're both great but then Frankie Goes to Hollywood is a better version of the Frankie Goes to Hollywood stuff. Relax is a good loader on that, but remember, Mm. even before you get to Hypersports, you had the Ocean Loader before that as well, so... That's t- yeah, that's true. So I think hypersports for me just uh, uh, even now I think about those uh, that opening barrage and I loved Frankie Goes Hollywood when I loaded it. I remember sitting there thinking that is a genuinely even. I remember to, I remember where I was. I remember I had the TV on. I did because we only I didn't have my own TV back then, so we had to plug it into the one in the lounge. I remember I was, bor- it was like borrowed. Time. I remember exactly the setup. and I remember that loading screen coming up and mm-hmm. I remember hearing it and, and really being blown away because I really like Frank Goes Hollywood. I still do to this day. I'm a huge fan of Frank Goes to Hollywood, but I can't get away from the fact that that version of Chariots of Fire is mind-blowing. It is just astonishing. And, I mean, look at the list. You're already seeing, in terms of music, the same names of composers starting to already eek the way out. Next year is going to be a nightmare for this. But at the <laughs> moment, no, Rob Hubbard, Martin Galway, Fred Gray, you know, they're dominating that list um, already. And so mm-hmm. I think Hypersports uh, is just a be- it's a better version of Chariots of Fire. Frankie Goes is great, but it's not as good as Hypersports' version. No way. It's just so good. Yes. No disrespect to Mr. Gray. I love Frankie to 12 and Shadowfire 2, but I just, you know, sorry.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, these are, uh, you know, we love these tunes, so yeah. this, this, there is nothing about coming behind Hyper Sportsman and the Running Crazy Comets is no, no, you know... And crazy comics is the top one. It has to be.
1: It's just astonishing. I mean, it's like number uh, one. Crazy. Yeah, crazy yeah absolutely.
0: Crazy comments. Yeah, absolutely. Because mine's Hypersport. Ooh, now how do we figure that out? So, are we sort of saying Monty on the Run is going to come third?
1: Yeah, I think Monty on is definitely third. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the statement, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I get. I really like Monty on the Run. I do. So do I but so I. I like the sci-fi swooshiness of crazy comets that's an original piece of music as well yeah. and not forget that crazy comets has also got a really good high score music as well it has it is a powerful piece of music that drives that game all that whistling the swooping sounds it's it's genuinely brilliant and mad planets doesn't even have that <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I remember loading Crazy Comets just to play I never really liked Mad Planets as a game but I'd play I'd load Crazy Comets just to listen to that music I remember recording yeah. it on tape because uh, I used to do music <laughs> compilation tapes to my Spectrum friends this is no word of a lie and that was on mm-hmm. that was on the, on the one of the first tapes I ever did was Crazy Comets and Monty and the Roar and I remember to this day I remember giving, doing the C90 with all this and he did one back it was a nightmare listening to that from the Sinclair Spectrum although there was some interesting stuff on there now and again but um, he <laughs> did honestly we used to do like music tapes for each other so that's uh, Rich and, and simon who we see them for two friends of ours from a long time ago but mm. um uh, yes crazy comments features in my list I, it's hard though because hypersports is great but hypersports isn't original and that's what's tipped it for me okay okay
0: i get i, I get all your arguments about crazy comments and i understand uh, it's not an original piece but my argument for that would be again the, the what we said about frank is this could have been horribly wrong you take on, you know, Chariots of Fire, Vangelis, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, the Chariots of Fire theme. You te- you're taking on Van Gelis here, you know, one of the great early sort of soundtrack synth composers and, and the work that he did. And you're taking, you know, a, a very iconic piece of music and you are with three channels, in, and in your words, equaling that piece of music. And yeah, I think, yeah, and, 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 good. And, to, and to my mind, and you said sort of thing, um, Hypersports had the ocean loader as well, did it? Have the ocean loader as yeah, well. Yeah. I can't But that, that, that moment when hypersports first boots up and that first yeah. just Kims comes in, it's a proper Hairs up on the on the you know on your arms moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Listening to it now, and it was now when I listened to it. And it's, goal, it's for for me, Monty on the Run and Crazy Comets are really really good tunes. But I guess and and but Hypersports feels like a proper piece of music. And I, and I don't, I can't quite ex- I, I, no,
1: Say I, it right. And I, th- I actually think I think I can see where you're coming from. And in fact, I have to say, let's it's from a sound maturity level. So from a from the level of the sounds that are used in the comic position. So that that are um equating to what it needs to try and emulate. I think I can see where you're coming from with Hypersports because Crazy Comets is nice sounds, but they kind of sound like Rob Hubbard's player playing Rob Hubbard sounds and and it's a great tune Crazy Comets. Hypersports sounds like Van gallis on the Commodore 64. Yeah. It's- it's making Vangelis type sounds now Vangelis are thousands and thousands of pounds worth of synthesizers at his yeah. disposal Crazy Comets is a great tune and I, I think you've swayed me actually I think I would actually I would switch I like Crazy Comets I love Monty I think Rob a brilliant composer but at this point he does better stuff later HyperSpots is a is actually a very accomplished Vangelis piece and I think I, I, I originally underestimated the fact that yes actually you're right he took on Vangelis and he made a brilliant version of that that is no mean feat that is brave to do that and and I agree. And he pulled it off, right? The sounds are there; they're big. It's got that big, like those amazing harmonies
0: towards the end mm. when you get that, that, that. It's like no,
1: shimmery sound no, that he achieves. No, you know, it's uh, no, 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 yeah. It, it's no, it's got that Martin Garrix shimmery sound. Yeah, it, yeah. I agree. I think I think I think, yeah. I think we have to put because of that and its power. Hyper sports, but then we'll have to have with we'll be number one with Crazy Comets two and for me and Monty Run the Run three. Yeah, that, that's where I land. No, I agree. I think I agree with that because you know what, well, it's better to come from Galway and from Rob Hubbard. And then, you know, we've even got the other composers of stepping up the game well, soon. Yeah,
0: we haven't looked at and, oh, Whitaker um, and Daglish. Yeah, Daglish. This, this,
1: Let alone, let alone we get to the Tim Follin era, because no, that's yeah. when my allegiance for, because don't get me wrong, I love all these early musicians, but that guy uh, comes along yeah, and he starts stuff. to do some really clever stuff. So, at this stage though, we're at, I think you're right, actually, you've convinced me. Um, I love crazy comments, I love Monty on the Run, don't get me wrong, but Hypersports is a Genuinely astonishing piece of music on the Commodore 64. The version of, of *Chariots of Fire* is something to behold, and I would recommend everyone go and find it on YouTube and listen to it.
0: And the thing with Galway, he will go on to do this again. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. When we, we, we with, a, with a particular game sort of thing, which I think is—I know you're saying like next year might be tricky sort of thing—but I think I know what my number. It's that because I think it's
1: possibly my favourite piece of music on the 612 But that's coming next year.
0: But but we'll have a re-listen and we'll
1: we'll see if it's still there. Galway, next year he's got some real doozers in. The- because we've got haven't we got in there green beret there will be rambo in there as well there's a lot there's a lot and that's just too off the top of my head yeah, yeah kung fu's coming i think i'm kind of dreading because yeah, yeah, that's gonna be yeah kung fu yeah another one that's again my gosh that is a whopper mm-hmm. Yep Do you know
0: what <laughs> then we've got stuff like We've got stuff like Zoid from Yeah and stuff, at, uh, it, at, You
1: know Zoid isn't my favourite One of his But you know this There's a whole load of stuff Coming in there That you know That's a debate for another day Today yeah. I think you're right I think Hypersports Wins the best music for me Okay The winner of The best music award Goes to Hypersports
0: With Runners Up Crazy Comets, and Monty on the Run, uh, with special mentions going to Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Thing on a Spring, Shadowfire, Wizardry, and Roland's Rat Race. Good category. I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed Mm. listening to all those pieces of music. In fact, all those games that were included in there, all all great music. They wouldn't have been included if they weren't. Um, So, anything you listen to out of that lot, you're going to have a good time. Okay, so that's the end of part one of the awards, where we've given you our opinion, and the Best visuals, best sound, best music, and also the game that you never want to play again and put in your drawer for Sunday best. You can now go and listen to part two, which is available right now. We've pulled out all the stops. we recorded this and put it all out, and it's out on one day. Go enjoy yourself. Go, go listen. In part two, you get the craziest concept. You get the best crapvert, and also the big one, the best game of 1985. We've also going to include listeners' comments and anybody that's uh, let us know what they thought with the uh, best visuals best game best music of 1985 was as well so go listen to that now and have some fun thanks for listening this is Zap to the past awards we'll see you probably as you start the next one in a minute bye
1: thank you for listening to the zap to the past podcast We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine, published at the time. We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.